journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shalom to everybody out there. Shavua Tov. Gutavoch. It should be a good week for all of us. A safe one, a healthy one, and a warm one, if I should add as well. I'm glad you're back here with me on High FM. We are discussing um, texts from the Bible and we are learning about our forefather Abraham. We are still sitting on the topic of Akedat Yitzchak, on the sacrifice of Yitzchak, simply because it is such a complex and such a lengthy discussion where there is so much to learn from. Now, last week we diverted somewhat, but I think a very, very important um Diversion because we were discussing the concept of donkeys. Now, for anybody who missed that discussion, it was quite a fascinating one. Got a lot of feedback um, from people because it's really, really interesting that when one looks at a text of, of, of Torah, any text of Torah, it's not only a superficial story. It's not only maybe a bit of a, um, a holomythical uh, uh, explanation, but it actually has very, very deep meaning. We can go into a lot of depth with it. And last week we understood the whole idea of Abraham saddling his donkey was the fact that Abraham was the first, uh, well, he was the first Jew and it was the first person that realized that the physical world around us is actually a physical world that we need to elevate and we need to bring to a state of godliness. Something that I did mention last week, and again, I'll repeat this week, this actually what separates Judaism from other uh, religions in that other religions look at negating physicality, um, either becoming celibate, moving away um, from, from stuff or, 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 you know, cutting down the need of physical in, indulgence or even physical basics like eating, sleeping, being married, etc., in order to have spiritual, spiritual revelation and spiritual connectedness. Judaism, on the other side, <clears throat> says that the physical world is in fact a veneer, is a, a, uh, a, uh, a mask for the deepest, deepest sense of godliness where you can touch spirituality at its core and it's for us to delve into the physicality and use the physicality as a vehicle for us to find godliness. This, of course, was the biggest revelation of the world of Hasidut, of Hasidus, that, whose founder, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, in the late 1700s, he came around and he brought it now out to the masses before this idea was something that was probably more hidden and more reserved for those that were learned, but went and taught us that everything we see, everything that we hear, everything that we indulge in is a lesson in the service of God and that we should use it in the service of God. And this is what will eventually bring about the redemptive process, the, the messianic process that we are waiting for, and which I believe very much that we are in the birth pangs of. We are seeing a huge separation now between good and evil. Um, evil is really evil. Good is fantastically good. And we are going to go and birth a world where the physical existence around us and all the physical activities that we indulge in are actually um, one and the same thing. We are spiritual by being physically connected to our world. And how do we do it 
um, just very quickly for those that are uninitiated who don't understand this concept in full, we do it by fulfilling the 613 mitzvot of the Torah, the 613 commandments that are divided into 248 positive ones and 365 negative ones. Every time we are doing a mitzvah, we are connecting the physical world back to its source, back to godliness. We elevate ourselves. We elevate the world around us. And that is a process that, as the Jewish people, being a light unto the nations, has, has been doing for the last 3,000 years. And um, that goodness has been elevated and elevated, and albeit that we cannot see it physically with our physical eyes now, we are really, really at the cusp of it being revealed in a very profound way with the arrival of Mashiach. So we had this whole discussion about the donkey and that Abraham... Um, saddled it himself because he realized that he needed to take the donkey, which is whose word is chamor in Hebrew, which is the same word as chomer, as materialism. He had to pack physicality and use it with him on his journey. But now, very interestingly, we are going to pick up on chapter 22, verse 5, for those of you that are following in, that he comes to a point now where he's at the, the bottom of this mountain, that he sees um, a dark cloud around a mountain. He realizes that that, that is the Shechina, that is the the um, the place where he and Yitzchak have to need to move to. And he says and does the following: By Yomer Abraham El Naarav, Abraham says to um, his 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 young men. And we know his young men was actually Yishmael and uh, Eliezer that were with him. Shavu lachem po, remain here in Hachamor with the donkey. Va'ani ve'hana'ar nelcha. And me and the young boy, now he's referring to Yitzchak, will go at call from now onwards. Ve'nishtachave, we will bow down, we will pray, we will prostrate ourselves, then ashuva alechem, and then we will return to you. So just following on the theme of the fact that the donkey um, represents materialism, we see at this point in time, Abraham doesn't take the donkey with him, because the world was yet young in managing to transform, sublimate, subjugate the, the physicality in the service of God. So at one point in time, he needs to uh, leave it behind with Yishmael and with Eliezer. And they are going to be the ones that are going to be the custodians of the physical world while Abraham goes up and he, um, while Abraham goes up and he does service with Yitzchak. So this is very interesting to see the significance that he now leaves the chamor behind. He leaves the donkey, he leaves materialism behind, and now he's going to go and set himself on a journey that is pretty profound and pretty spiritual. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back, and we are uh, discussing Abraham. He's about to take leave of the two men that are with him, we said those were Eliezer and Yishmael. And one of the reasons we are told that he is taking leave of them is because when he looked onto the mountain, he realized 
that he saw a cloud hovering about it and that that was probably the mountain that God wanted us, wanted him to go and see. Um, Yitzchak saw the cloud, but Eliezer and, um, and Yishmael didn't see it. And so he understood that because they weren't able to see it, they weren't able now to have that spiritual experience. So he leaves the materiality behind, he leaves the donkey behind, and he leaves as well the, 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 the two men um, behind saying that I will return to you and I will come back. Now, um, Abraham actually understood that perhaps they were – the, the Eliezer and Yishmael would surmise why is it now that he's just going with Yitzchak. And in fact, we're told in uh, the Yalkut Me'am lawyers that they probably had a good idea of Abraham's intentions. And Yishmael said uh, to Eliezer, Yishmael being the older son, if you recall, he said, today I think my father is going to slaughter Yitzchak. And since I'm the firstborn, I'm truly excited for I am going to inherit all of Abraham's possessions. Possessions, To which Eliezer replied, you are no longer his son. He drove you away from the home. I am his faithful servant who cared for his needs day and night. It will be sure that he will leave his entire estate to me. So you see that here the two of them are haggling again over Abraham's inheritance, which we know. Um, obviously, with 2020 vision that neither of them inherited. But this has historical significance, particularly in that we know, like throughout our Galut, throughout our diaspora, throughout the Jews wandering to every place in the world, that that which was the inheritance of Abraham, um, it belongs to us. But there will be a lot of haggling. And today we still have that haggling, particularly from Yishmael's descendants, um, from from um, the, the the Arab world in particular, in that the land of Israel is, does not belong to the Jews and it belongs to them. And this argument that was going on between Eliezer and Yishmael is an argument that we face today um, in 2020, right now in the 21st century, and have had faced that for 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 millennia, for all the time that the Jews were exiled from the land. But in truth. Um, as we see that Isaac Yitzchak does not get uh, sacrificed and the inheritance is passed on to him, and then through Jacob down to his sons, down to the Jewish people, down all the way to us, the land of Israel belongs to us in its entirety, and we have a right to it. More so, we've looked and we've gone through various aspects where you see that Abraham walked the length and breadth of the land of Israel. He paid money for, for various places. We are the rightful title deeds. And this is not an argument um, that can fall into politics. And that's why politics has never been able to sort it out because it's not just about, you know, unreasonable people wanting unreasonable things and, uh, you know, trying to, to find a good negotiator. This is, comes to the the essence to the to the to the bottom of of existence the and and it has a huge spiritual force behind it and that's why it really really doesn't make sense um, in in terms of do you think it's right should we not can we you know let's have two states one state there's no such thing 
Eretz Yisrael belongs to the Jewish people. It's a Yerusha. It was promised very clearly, black and white, in the Bible, all the way back to Abraham. We are his descendants. So whether Yishmael and Eliezer are fighting about it right now, um, while Abraham ascends the mountain, or we're having an argument about it now um, in 2020, there's really no argument. It's ours. That's uh, I'm not going to say my point of view. That's the Torah point of view to which I attest and I, uh, I agree with that point of view. Nevertheless, let, let us continue. Abraham leaves um, Yishmael and Eliezer and the donkey. Vayikach Abraham et atzei ha'ayla. Abraham takes the wood that's for the burnt offering. Vayasem al Yitzchak. He places it on his son Yitzchak. Um, he takes the fire and the slaughter knife now the two of them continue and, and, and move on themselves truth be said that nowhere in this discussion did we say and did we understand or did we see that Abraham actually says to Yitzhak listen God wants me to sacrifice you on a mountain it was an unsaid thing it was a discussion, as we spoke about two weeks ago, that he proposed to Sarah that he should go to learn at an, at an academy, and that's where it is. But um, there is hint all the time that there is no um, there is no land. There is nothing there, and Yitzhak is starting to read between the lines. And once he obviously gets. Uh, the, the, the wood and the wood is put on him. It kind of is hinting at his, at his fate. Um, and also one would think that Abraham didn't want to share the news with, with Yitzhak, not to keep him distraught. So there's like, there's this silent collaboration between them. And that is really what the words, that they, the two of them went together. That even though things were not clear, it was not clear for Abraham. He wasn't clear where he was going. He was just waiting for signs for God to show him. Um, he knew the command that God wanted of him, but it was not clear would his son be slaughtered or not, or what would happen at the top of the mountain. It wasn't clear for Yitzchak what was happening, though it seemed the insinuation seemed to happen that he was going to actually be the sacrifice. Nevertheless, the two of them went together because the two of them were, were strong on one point, and that was that they were willing to do whatever it takes to serve God, even though at that point in time um, it wasn't clear what God really wanted or intended. They just were clear that they had to be in service of God. And as I was learning this and you know preparing to present now over the radio, I was thinking that this is perhaps such a powerful lesson for us now today in in, in COVID nineteen because. You know, when you sit down and you listen to all the news and what is going on around you and the statistics and the numbers and the infections and does this work and doesn't this work and uh, is, is this the right way we're doing it and is this the wrong way and, and, and it seems that everybody is in a balagan. Not only is there a balagan in South Africa, there's a balagan across the entire world and if you really go and look at video clips of every leader, of every country, everybody is in a state of confusion, everybody's being thrusted and moved forward without clarity of where is this taking to us, when will this end, how will this be, what does God want from us, the questions are enormous, the questions are, are a lot. But I take solace and I take, I take strength from the words, the two of them went together. 
because this is a very unclear time. It's a very dark time um, as a world, not only as a Jewish nation, but as, as, as a world, as humanity. We've been thrust into a, I, I feel like a black hole into a vortex where we, we, we're not 100% clear. And really, what is it that is going to get us through it? How do we navigate this this uncertainty that, that is causing so much anxiety, so much fear, so much just disruption. Um, I think using the words that we need to walk together. Firstly, we need to walk together as humanity. Each and every single one of us needs to be a support one to the other. Wherever we can, wherever we can lend a helping hand, whether it's a kind word, whether it's a, 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 some groceries, whether it's, you know, cheering it up, whatever it is, we need to work together. Second of all, we Jewish people need to work together because we are looking at it. If we are looking at Akedas Yitzhak and we're looking at the sacrifice of Isaac, we see that there, we, we have a destiny. And the destiny is to bring this world to the revelation of godliness and to Mashiach's time. And how do we do it? We, we strengthen ourselves in our mitzvot. We strengthen ourselves in the learning of Torah. We strengthen ourselves in Ahavat Yisrael, in, in love of a fellow Jew. And we gird ourselves. So if we work together with this, we will actually get rid of this, this dark cloud, this, this black hole, this vortex that we're in. And we will allow this birthing process to uh, relieve itself much, much quicker. And finally, uh, is also saying to me just the fact that both Abraham and Yitzhak, even though there was insinuations that things seemingly looked really dire, beyond dire, it was the smashing of everything that was, was Abraham's life. If he had to have sacrificed his son Yitzhak, there would have been no Jewish people. There would have been no giving of the Torah. There would have been no one to inherit. His entire life and everything that he had done would seemingly have gone into insignificance because what is the purpose if you cannot pass this on to the next generation? While it was all dire, they were steadfast in their faith of God and they didn't, they didn't ask the question why. They just said, how should I do it? And they did it to the best of their ability. And this word, again, I think is a lesson for us to gird in our faith, to gird in our our strength, to know that, yes, the world is in a balagan. This COVID-19 has wreaked an incredible amount of havoc um, around around and and um, it is very disconcerting. It, it's very disruptive. It's, it's anxiety uh, producing. But if we know that God has and always has, and is and always will be in control and is running this world and we don't have all the answers right now, if we align ourselves just with what God wants us to do right now and just do our piece and influence our sphere of influence, then um, that will help us as we go towards the ultimate um, and, and the arrival of, of Mashiach. I think I think it's, it's it's something very important and something that needs to be said all the time because otherwise the burden of of, of carrying this anxiety and this worry and this um, disruption is just becoming too but too too hard for people to bear on. I'd love to know your thoughts. If you'd like to make a comment, if you'd like to ask a question, you're most welcome on three four five one nine. 
Just SMS us and the control room will send me any comments or questions that you have. In the meantime, we will continue on chapter 22, verse 7. So now the son and the father, Abraham and Yitzchak, are going to be climbing the mountain together. Vayoymer Yitzchak el Abraham. Yitzchak says to Abraham, Aviv, my father, Vayomer Hineni. He says, here I am. Bini, uh, Hineni Bini, here I am, my son. Here is the fire, here is the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham, and God, Abraham says, God will see to a lamb for a burnt offering, uh, Bini, my son. Then they go, Again, together. So here's the words, again. And here we see that Yitzhak is asking, where is this burnt offering? Um, very interestingly, though, I want to go back a little bit and just discuss this discussion of, um, <clears throat> this discussion of, uh, Abraham and Yitzhak, because it seems superfluous. Yitzhak says to Abraham, Aviv, my father, and his father says, here I am, my son. This is just showing again the, the connection that Abraham and Yitzhak had with each other. Uh, this is a reiteration that in case anybody thought that, you know, maybe Abraham is happy to sacrifice his son because it's not really his son, or Yitzhak you know, um, was not aligned with Abraham and he wasn't connected with his father and maybe he'll be resistant. These words, my son, my father, I'm here. Um, you know, what can I do? All of these are here to teach us again. They were in sync. He was asking a question and he did ask and it's okay for us to ask. Um, you know, where is the sheep? But he didn't ask anything more when Abraham said God will provide. And again, this this is the message. God will provide. God will see us through. God will, God is guiding this entire process. And again, this is something that we need to, 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 to connect with. Um, and also on a, on a, on a more practical level, they wanted to dispel the whole idea that Avi Melech thought that may, you know, maybe he was the father of, of Yitzhak. So, Hi, I am your father, and yes, my son, I am here for you, goes and shows the incredible, incredible connection and relationship that um, they have and their dedication to each other and their dedication to God. Now, there is a very, very interesting story that comes up in the Midrash now um, that talks about the fact that not only were there um was was there the need for them to be focused on what God wanted and to remain in tandem with each other and in tandem with the will of God, but that there will always be things in our lives and situations in our lives that will come that will try and shatter our ability to remain strong, to remain positive. And that is none other than an angel called the Satan, uh, in English, it's translated as Satan. I don't really like translating it into English because it has all sorts of, um, I think, negative con connotations that are brought from other um, persuasions or other beliefs. 
But this angel does the will of God, and what it does is that it comes to attack us and try to get us and question us why we want to do the will of God. And his job is only there, solely for us to have what God endowed us with, the one and only thing that he endowed any creature on this on this planet, and, and here I'm talking about human beings, we have unlike all the other creatures in this world, have the ability of freedom of choice, of, of having a choice, whether we want to do good or we want to do bad, if we want to do something from um, that's in service of God or something to the opposite. And so it doesn't matter if you're, 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 you're simple, you know, simple Joe Cohen um, sitting in a little place that and you feel that you're insignificant or that you're Abraham Avinu, that you are Abraham, the patriarch, the Satan will always come and try to give you 101 reasons as to why you shouldn't do what you're doing. Because in doing that, um, he's giving you now the ability of free choice um, and for our ability to go and decide for ourselves, willingly, wantingly, that what we believe to be right, to be moral, to be um, godly, that's the way that we choose, or to the opposite. And so now I'm going to share with you a story <clears throat> of how the Satan tried to interfere with Abraham and Yitzchak. It says that um, Abraham, the, 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 the Satan, um, came down from the upper world in a disguise of an old man. And he stopped Abraham as him and Yitzchak were ascending the mountain. And he says to Abraham, where are you going? To which Abraham said, we are going to worship. And so this old man, a.k.a. the Satan, says, and why are you bringing along wood and a slaughter knife? And Abraham replies, we may have to stay there for a day or two, so it's best to have what we need in case we have to prepare food. And then the Satan launches into a tirade, which I am going to share with you just after this quick commercial break. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, and we are discussing uh, the story with uh, the Satan. So, Abraham says to him, we have to stay for a day or two, and it's best we bring what we need in case to prepare food. To which the Satan replied, the old man, do you take me for an idiot? Do you think that I do not know what you are doing? And then he started shouting at Abraham, screaming at Abraham, you old fool, you old fool, you idiot, you were given a son when you were a 100 years old, and now you're going to kill him. You think God commanded you to do it? Don't believe it. God doesn't tell one to do things that are so unthinkable. Are you stupid enough to give up your only son because of this dream? Maybe you just dreamt that God told you to sacrifice your son. And tomorrow you will dream that God told you to jump into a lake. Will you run and do that too? Don't kill your son. Don't kill your dear son because of a stupid dream. Think about it before you do anything. You say that you had a prophetic vision, maybe you were mistaken. And who knows what the message really was. Prophecy is like a dream, and one is not always certain of the message. And then he carried on and said, you say that you were wide awake when God spoke to you, and that he clearly commanded that he slaughter your son. If you have any sense, you will ignore it. 
Tell God that if a person gives his friend a present, he can't come back and take it back. Although you gave your son, him, a, he gave you a son, he has no right, right to force you to kill him. And besides, if you kill the boy, God will punish you for taking an innocent life. If it was merely a dream, you have nothing, you are nothing but a murderer. So you can see here that everything that they were saying was made sense. And this is really what we have, our voice, our voice of reason. No, you're crazy. God didn't want you to do it. Maybe you were dreaming about it. Um, you know, if you do it, you're going to do it. You're going to be a murderer. Anything and everything to try and get Abraham not to do what he's doing. And it says, Abraham looked the stranger in the eye and he said, you unclean creature, be God with you. I know who you are. And I will not pay attention to you. My heart is bound to God. And I know that all your arguments are, are so much wind. I know who God is. Even if he commanded me to do much more than this, I will be compelled to obey. Abraham had the tremendous, tremendous strength of character to realize that all these voices that come to us and tell us why we shouldn't give away our money or why we shouldn't give to DACA right now or why we shouldn't keep Shabbos, or why we shouldn't keep kosher, or why this and why that, they're all there just as instruments to give us that free choice to show that we can actually choose appropriately. And kudos to Abraham, because he realized that this was just the voice of the other side, of the Satan, of the Yetzirah, trying to keep him away from being of service to God. Well, the Satan doesn't really um, give up, and he saw that he got nowhere with Abraham, and so he changed his disguise and he rocked up as a young man and he pulled Yitzhak aside and he said to Yitzhak, where are you going? So Yitzhak replied, I'm going to be enrolled in an academy. So the Satan replied, do you, do you not know that your father is going to bring you as a human sacrifice? To which Yitzhak replies, I had an idea if it is God's will, then I am ready. Again, you can see the synchronicity with Abraham and Yitzhak, to which the Satan then went and said, Ah, so I see now you want to be a saint like your father. You're not afraid of death. But what about your mother? Don't you have any pity on her? Don't you think you should spare her that ultimate sorrow? All her life she suffered. She had one dream that kept her going, that she would have a son who would pray after her after she died. How many, many days did she fast, pleading with God to give her a son? And finally, when she's 90 years old, God gives her a son. And is this what you call being a saint, killing your own mother? Don't you realize that this would be the end of her? When she hears what you have done, she will die of grief. And then uh, he continues the satan and says, Remember when Ishmael dared to play war with you? Remember your mother's concern? She was worried that she made your father drive Ishmael out the house. She made him swear that he would give you all his possessions during his lifetime. Now, if your father kills you, what do you think? Who's going to get all the possessions? None other than Ishmael. And that should be enough to stop you from your foolishness. How do you think your mother will feel? First she loses a son. Then her worst enemy will take your place after she drove him away like a slave. Can you just imagine her agony? Anyway, the Satan went on and on with the most outrageous slander, and it said that Yitzchak became a little bit discouraged, and he began to ask his father to have pity on him because of his mom. And he said, I am not concerned about myself, father dear, but what about Ishmael? He already boasts that he will inherit all your possessions. He is so wicked, and how can you allow him to be your heir? 
And he further goes and says, you yourself told me once, Father, that Hashem had ordered you to listen to everything that my mother, Sarah, told you, that you should drive Yishmael away. What this young man is now saying is correct and logical. God obviously does not change his mind, especially after he put you through the ordeal of driving away. Hagar and Yishmael, um, after driving away Hagar and Yishmael and commanding you not to let them be your heir. So maybe you shouldn't be so hasty, dear father, to do this. Ask God again and make sure if it is will, then I'm prepared and I'm ready to obey. It says, Abraham looked at his son and he gave a very patient reply. He said, the young man that just spoke to you, my dear son, is nobody, is nothing. He is just the Satan in disguise. And his only intent is to make you sin. Do not pay attention to him. God will reward, will reward you amply. If I even had the least doubt about my prophecy, do you think I would submit you to such a thing? Do I have any hope for another wonderful son like you? No. But God's word to me was clear. It was unambiguous. And we must do his Will with great joy. And with that, Satan was shut down by Yitzhak as well. So anyway, we are told that the road that led um, to the top of the mountain led through a narrow pass between the mountains. And Satan was very, very frustrated. So he sat down in this mountain pass, and now he disguised himself as a raging river. And when they approached the river, Avram went in alone. He waded up until his waist. And thinking that they'd be able to to cross the river, he summoned Yitzchak and took his hand. And they had taken just a few steps. The water reached up to their necks. And Avraham looked around and exclaimed with wonder, I don't understand. I've come here many times. I've never seen a river before. At first, I thought it might have rained. But that really was just a little runoff. But if that was the case, the water wouldn't have been so deep. So I recognize here, too, that the Satan is trying to stop us. He's trying to stop me from obeying uh, God's command. So he says to Yitzchak, Abraham says to Yitzchak, my son, don't be afraid. I am positive that there is nothing here but solid ground. And so they continued into the water, we are told, until it reached their mouths. Abraham lifted his eyes on high. Then he saw the Satan fleeing. The water immediately vanished and his plan was frustrated. Well, the Satan isn't a guy that likes to give up. He went to Sarah and he said, Sarah, where is your husband? He went on a journey, said Sarah, and he took his son with him. But, said the Satan, you never ever let him out of the house. How could you let him on such a long journey? Uh, Sarah replies, he went to the academy to study. It's not that far from here. To which the Satan's eye said, you will never see your gun, your son again. To which we are told, Sarah replied, if that is God's will, so be it. What is this whole Midrash coming to teach us? It's coming to teach us that in life, when we are doing something good in particular, you will see that you will hit challenges and obstacles and stuff in in your way. Because what the Satan doesn't want is for us to fulfill the will of God. And again, I am bringing it back to 2020, to coronavirus, um, that this really very much is the lesson that we need to learn today. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 
welcome back and uh, I just read to you the dramatic uh, story of the Satan and the lessons we need to learn just today because I think more than ever today we are seeing the ugly ugly side of the Satan and all the negativity that is spilling over everywhere in this world and it is causing a tremendous disruption but I believe at the same time that we are seeing the death of the Satan. We are seeing the avenge. The Satan is gripping at anything it can to make people not focus on the end, end point, being that we are preparing for the arrival of Mashiach and that the negativity that is out there, it's there, but it's transient. And it will burn in and of itself away. It will go away. What we need to do is twofold. Don't buy into it. Don't be schlepped down into it. Don't get into all this fear-mongering and screaming and shouting. Be responsible. I'm underlying, just in case I get any negative feedback from anyone. Be responsible. There is a virus out there. There is economic recession. Do what you have to do. Act responsibly, but act in a manner that you know that you have a tough kid, you have a job to do, and that is to serve God in your best capacity in what you need to know now. Do we Can, can we see the end? No, we cannot see it. Can we feel the end? I certainly can feel it. Um, in my very bones, that we are we are coming to a new world order, not a new world order run by socialism, communism, any ism,ology that you can think out there, but a world that we are going to bring finally to the fruition um, in a messianic in a, with a messianic redemption. So let's take strength from our forefather Abraham, our forefather Yitzchak, in their determination to do what's right, to do what's moral to do what's ethical, to do acts of good deeds and kindness, to strengthen ourselves and our mitzvot. And please God, very, very soon, we will have the veil of negativity just blown and poofed away, gone away, just like the satan just disappeared from the raging waters. It should uh, disappear from us, and we will be able to ascend onto a holy mountain in Yerushalayim, to Haramoria. We'll see the... Um, the building of the third base of Migdash, and it should happen speedily right now in our days. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.